Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, good, good. It's scary to be here, but let's see what we do today. Um, Let's all stand up, please, and let's start with a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask my two beautiful friends, Michelle and Patty Bauer, to come here and to join me on the stage. Mm -hmm. One to my right, one to my left, please. Okay, good. Um, Father in heaven, I just want to thank you for, for you, that your mercies are new every day, Father God. I pray that you will fill this place with your presence, Father God, the worses that you inhabit, the praises of your people, Father. And I just pray that you will fill your praises, your, our praises to you, that your heart is pleased with each one of us, Father God. And I just pray that I will decrease so you can increase today, Father. I pray that I will be anointed by your Holy Spirit and everything that I do today will bring glory to your name, Father. I pray against any distractions, Father God. I pray for those who are in need of encouragement, that they will receive the encouragement that they need. And those who are in need in discipline and who need correction will also receive the correction that they need, Father God. Be with us, Father God. I pray those in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. 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 So if you want to stay standing up, I'm, I'm a little bit of an old school. And my two friends are going to help me here reading the Word of God. And as you know, we have been doing this series about repurposing prayer. So today is another prayer from uh, the Bible. And this time, is that okay? Do, do I sound good? Do I need to adjust this? Is this good? Is that better? Okay, good. Yes, I, I saw some faces there looking at me like something is going wrong. So, um, okay, where I was. So today we are going to talk about another prayer that is in the Bible and is from the book of First Chronicle. And this is the prayer where Solomon asked for wisdom. So just to give you a little bit of background, Michelle is going to be reading that prayer And that is the beginning. This is when Solomon just became a king. He's excited. He is um, motivated. He has these big dreams. But he feels that he cannot do it without God's help. So this is a ramba. Scholars think that at this time, Solomon was in his 40s. And Patty Bauer, she will help me reading the last days of Solomon. And this will be how he finished his, his life. So... In few words, what I'm trying to do here is to show you the race of Solomon, how he walked with the Lord, what he did good, and what he didn't do good. So this is the beginning, and this is the end of his life. And I just want you to pay attention so we can compare what happened and where did he start and how he ended. Okay, ladies, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, this is Second Chronicles uh, chapter 1, verses 7 through 12. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied to God, You showed great and faithful love to David, my father, and now you have made me king in his place. 
O Lord God, please continue to keep your promise to David, my father, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me the wisdom and the knowledge to lead them properly, for who could possibly govern this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people, and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people, I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame, such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future." Thank you, Michelle. Now, Patty, you go ahead. And Patty is going to read from the book of First King, and it will be, um, give me a second, First King chapter 11, 4 to 6, and then 9 to 11. And again, this is the last days of Solomon. Now, in Solomon's old age, they turned, they meaning his wives, his foreign wives, uh, turned his heart to worship other gods, instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God, as his father David had been. Solomon worshipped Eshtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, the fertility god, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight, he refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. Got it. And now Hold 9 to 11. Mm-hmm. The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Can you even imagine God appearing to you, not once but twice even? And then he had warned Solomon, especially about worshiping other guides. He warned him. But Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, since you have not kept my covenant, And God takes covenant seriously. Uh, Covenant is for eternity. It doesn't end. And have disobeyed my decrees. I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. Amen. Amen to that. Everybody can sit down. Okay. How do I turn this off? Help. Just put it right here. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Patty. So, again, guys, what I'm trying to do here is to show you the race of Solomon. As we see, he had a greatest star, and it was a beautiful prayer. In fact, the prayer says that the Lord was pleased in the way he asked. What he asked, it was not for riches, no wealth, no power, not even the death of his enemies. What his heart desired was to have the wisdom so, so he can rule over Israel. And the scripture says that the Lord was pleased and the Lord loved Solomon. And that's a great star. And when I think about him, like when we just receive our calling, the moment of our salvation, there's that excitement. 
I'm, I'm sure that you all can relate when we have new dreams, when we have a new goal in front of us, and there's an excitement, and we wanna, we wanna do it, and we, we realize that we cannot do it in our own strength. So Solomon was in that place, and he says, I cannot do it by myself. I need divine wisdom so I, ha I know how to rule, rule these people. And the Lord was pleased, and he came with a gift, and it was divine wisdom. But then we see at the end of his life, and he has completely forsaken the Lord. Not only had a sexual addiction, if you ask me, if you are married, if you have seven, almost 300 concubines and 700 uh, brides of royal birth, that's a lot of wives. He ended up with a sexual addiction. The Lord is completely displeased. As Patty just said, the Lord was mad. He was angry on Solomon. So I started this... I, wondering and say, Lord, what happened to him? What happened to this man of God? He had everything going on for him, and he had a terrible end. And one of my favorite Bible verses is in the book of 1 John. 1 John is directed to um, Hebrew, uh, Jews who have become Christians. So he's, uh, John is talking to believers, and he says that um, when Jesus returned, there will be two kind of two kind of believers. There will be one group of believers that they will be full with, full with courage, um, filled with confidence, and there will be another group of believers that they will shrink back in shame. And I'm thinking about Solomon's life and the end of his life, and I said, Lord, I don't think that when he was face to face with you, he was full, he had courage in him. I'm sure that there was shame. By the way that he ended his life, I'm pretty sure that he shrinked back in shame. And, you know, I always try to meditate, well, what's going to be my legacy? When I'm gone, what people is going to think about me? And, you know, when he had a, it's not what we do when we start, it's the way that we finish that people will remember. And I just know that the desire of all of us is to finish well. I know that you are here because we are all longing to receive the crown of our salvation. That beautiful day when the salvation will be manifested, we will be transformed, and we, will, we don't, cannot even imagine what is to be with the Lord and look just like Jesus and be in his glory. And I, I, that's the longing of our hearts, and that's why we need to stay in the narrow path. But when I look at Solomon, I wonder, like, did he stay in the narrow path? What happened to him? So I start studying and reading through the book of First King and Second Chronicles, just asking the Lord, where did he go wrong? What did he do? How did he, how, why he couldn't conquer the sin in his life? Why did he struggle with his sexual addiction? Why did he seek pleasure more than seeking you? What happened to him? So let me show you, uh, is the next slide, please? So let me tell you what happened during those 40 years that he was king. Okay, computer, work with me, please. Okay, Solomon's kingdom. Okay, we are good. So this is what the Bible says. These are some of his achievements. This is what he achieved during the time. He was king over Israel for 40 years. And, the, and it says that King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on the earth. Kings from every nation came to consult him and to hear the wisdom God had given him. So he, ha, he was a man of a great reputation. He was a man of influence. 
Solomon built the temple of the Lord in seven years, and he also built the royal palace in 13 years. He built a huge force of chariots and horses. Solomon horses were imported from Egypt and from Sicilia. He had 14 chariots and 12,000 12, horses. The king made silver and gold as plentiful in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem as stones. And he had 700 wives of royal bear and 300 concubines. So if you analyze his life, he had a great life. You know, he had wealth. He had power, he had love, and if you, according to the world standards, he was a very successful king. He had everything going on for him. In fact, when, um, during the 40 years that he, he was king in Israel, Israel was, it was a time of peace. Solomon, his name comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. And that will probably be his greater legacy, that there was peace in his kingdom for 40 years. So that means that everybody was happy. There were, they didn't need to worry about their enemies. It was a time of prosperity. But here is the thing. We are not called to compare our lives to the world standards. We are called to compare our success, how we are doing, to the word of God. And I didn't know that when I was studying his life, but I was so surprised how sweet the Lord is. But he, because he didn't call Solomon to be a king and tell him, okay, you go and try to figure out how to be a wise king. He, even before Israel had any king, even before Israel had Saul or David or Solomon, years before that, when the Lord gave Moses the law, there was a specific portion in the law that it was for the kings of Israel. There was three things that they needed to do, and there was two things, three things that they were not allowed to do, and two things that they needed to do to remain in the narrow path, to remain faithful to the Lord. So now let me, this is in Deuteronomy 17. This is according to the law of Moses, the things that kings needed to do. I'm sorry. Okay, so in, in one side we have the law and in the other side we have Solomon's action. And let's compare his life to the word of God, to, 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 to God's standard. So in the, in the law said that the king must not build a large stable of horses for himself or send his people to Egypt to buy horses. For the Lord has told them, you must never return to Egypt, the land of your son of your slavery. What did he do? He built up a huge force of chariots and horses. Solomon horses were imported from Egypt and from Sicilia. So right there, he just broke the first commandment. And he was not only sinning himself, but he was also making his own people sin by sending them to buy the horses. You know, when you, ha when you are a leader, your life will affect those around you. It will not only be that the, the sin of your life will only affect you. It will affect the generation, your children. It will affect, affect the people around you. The second commandment, he was, the king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. What did he do? He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. So here I already mentioned about, it seems that he had a sexual addiction, that he struggled with that. And the Lord already, it's not that he didn't know what this will bring to his life. The, the Torah said it was clear here that he could not do this because they will lead him straight from the, from the Lord. 
And the third commandment was that he must not accumul accumulate large amounts of wealth and silver of gold for himself. What did he did? He made gold and silver as plentiful as stones in Jerusalem. So when you compare his life to the word of God, it doesn't seem that he was as successful as we think he was. Because, you know, when we compare our lives with other people, it might look like we are doing okay. It might look like we are good people. But the reality is that the word is not our standard. Jesus is the standard. And the moment that we really compare our lives to Jesus, we all realize that we, we cannot do it with him. So, but this, as I mentioned before, this is from the book of the Deuteronomy, and these are the three, the three things that a king was not supposed to do. And he broke every single one of them. But there was another two more instructions, and those are the things that Solomon was called to do, and those were the instructions that will help him to stay in the narrow path. And I, I wanna park here because I think that this is what the Lord has for us today. So if we can move to the next slide, which is Deuteronomy 17, 18 to 20. So this is what the Lord instructed all the kings of Israel to do. When he sits on the throne as a king, he must copy for himself this body of instructions on a scroll in the presence of the Levites' priests. He must always keep the copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will, know, he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. So what was, he, what was the king supposed to do? He was supposed to, with his own hand, grab a pen and write down these three instructions so he will, and repeat it daily. He, this, this regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commandments in the smallest way, and it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations generation of, in Israel. So if you ask me, what, what did he do wrong? What happened to Solomon? I think that here is the answer. It was really simple. He didn't have the daily communion, communion that he needed to have with Jesus, with the Lord. It is as, as, as I know that you have heard this so many times, the importance of prayer and the importance of being in the word of God. That's from the moment that you become a believer, that's what the people from the pulpit will tell you, you need to pray and you need to stay in the word of God. But we don't realize of, of the importance until we realize how wicked we are without the Lord. And let me tell you some, something, by Solomon not following these instructions, by him not having this daily communion with the Lord, he became vulnerable to sin. And so, in the book of Galatians, talk about the works of the flesh and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we all, I know that we all have the desire to become more joyful, peaceful, kind, loving, and all the fruits of the Spirit. But the reality is that some of us have, done that, have turned that list in a to-do list. And it was never meant to be a to-do list. Those things can only be produced inside of us if we are abiding in Christ. It's the fruits of the Spirit. 
when we are not abiding in God, when we are not praying, when we are not reading the word, what, what we produce is what the carnal men will produce, which is the works of the flesh, envy, gossiping, sexual immorality, um, and all the things that are just natural in us. You know, we want to believe that we are good people, but apart from God, we cannot produce any good fruit. And I feel that Solomon, besides of neglecting the word of God, reading and praying, the second thing that happened to him is that he felt that he had arrived. That the moment that he received the gift of wisdom, he started idolizing the gift, seeking more the gift than the gift giver. Why do I mean by that? You know, we are all excited when we receive a gift, when we are operating in the gift of when we have prophecy, when we have dreams, when we have wisdom, it's exciting. But if we are not careful, it, we can be full and believe that that's a sign that we have arrived, that we are mature in Christ. But the reality is all those gifts are just because the Lord is a gracious father, a loving father, and he wants his church to be equipped. But the fact that we are operating in these gifts, the fact that he was the wisest man on earth, didn't mean that he was walking in the will of the Lord. And he was not impressed with the wisdom that he had. The Lord is not impressed with the gifts that he gives us. He's the one who gives us the gifts, right? But he's impressed with the way that we handle those gifts. He's impressed with our character. And he didn't develop his character. He didn't fight against his sinful nature. And I really feel like if, you're, if you go through the book of Ecclesiastes, where it's just like such a, in a way, depressing book, where he is telling you that Solomon went in this wisdom quest. He wanted to have more knowledge, and he wanted, he, and, and he didn't, everything that he saw, he tried, he tested. He didn't deny himself of any pleasure. And at the, end of the at the end of his life, he felt that he was chasing after the wind, that everything was vanity. And the reality, it, it, that's how it feels when we are chasing after worldly pleasures and we are not chasing to, to do the will of God. And probably Solomon is one of the greatest disappointments in the Bible because he had everything going on for him. Another thing that I think that it led him to have such a horrible end is that he had a very comfortable life. Why do I mean by that? If you, if you compare Solomon to his father, King, they have very different beginnings. Solomon was already born as a rich kid, as the, as the, as the son of the king. He didn't need to struggle like her, his father did. David was a shepherd, and he was anointed, and he had to, as a king, he, when he was anointed as a king, he was still a young shepherd, and it will take 20 years before he will be sitting in the throne of, as a king. And during those 20 years, he learned to clean on the Lord. He, he was constantly fleeing for his life. And, and that, when you are experiencing trials and tribulation, that is the sweetest place to be. I, I know we don't like it, but that's the sweetest place to be because it creates in us a dependency like nothing else to be really close to the Lord. Solomon, he already was born in the palace. He didn't really need to worry or to fight any enemies. He, it seems that it never goes well for the rich kids. When you have it too easy, it seems that you don't work on building that cord in your life and, and, and you don't spend a lot of time 
maturing emotionally, spiritually, you just take things for granted. And I think that he did. And so far we have talked about what Solomon did. But during these 40 years, what happened with the Lord? Did he remain quiet? What happened? Was he just looking and seeing how his son is about to destroy his legacy? Or he intervened? So Solomon had two big encounters with the Lord. The first encounter was when the Lord gave him wisdom. And the second encounter is when the Lord comes with a warning. And, you know, sometimes I feel that, especially us in the Pentecostal churches, we make it believe that every time that we will encounter the Lord, it will be sweet. It will always be joyful. But there's a time when the Lord will come and start rebuking you and will bring discipline to you. But he's safe and he's gentle. He's never condemning. But he will bring warnings to you. When, you're, when you are not walking in the narrow path, he's a faithful father and he will bring discipline. And he intervened. He came and told, and he gave him um, Solomon a warning. And he tells him, if you and your people worship other, other gods, I will destroy the temple that you built for me. I will destroy the temple and I will uproot my people from the land that I gave them. People from around the world will go by the temple that has been destroyed and they will say, what happened to this? And the answer will be like, they forsake the Lord. And in his anger, the Lord destroyed the temple. So he, came, he gave him a warning and also the consequences of his actions. As Patty said, he takes covenants very serious. And he was not pleased with Solomon at the end of his life. And that is a pretty sad way to end a lie. He had everything going on, guys. And I think, how is that relatable to us as a church? I think that we are a church that are like at the beginning, that we are all excited of what the Lord is doing at Thrive. If we are a young church, I can think about Jesse and LaDonna. I can think about Heidi and Easy, Chase and Charlie. We all have been called. Um, Eric and Kimmy, we have a calling, and it's exciting. And we are like going full force, and we want to do it all. But here's the thing. We are not going to end our race well when we are just running out of excitement. Because excitement, excitement will end eventually. You know, I love Joyce Myers. I, I don't know if you follow Joyce Meyer, but she has been a blessing in my life. And she's about to celebrate 40 years in ministry. 40 years in ministry is a long time, if you ask me. And I was listening to an interview, and they asked her if she's excited about this big celebration that she's going to have. And she said that it doesn't fail. Bef uh, before any meeting that she has, any conference, people ask her, are you excited? And she's trying to be polite, and she says, like, yes, I'm excited. But she, to be honest, she said, I'm not excited anymore. <laughs> It was exciting when I just started, when she just started. For the first five years, she was excited to travel around the country, to travel around the world. But after 40 years of having to take a plane, not being home, and doing all the things that implies to run such a big ministry, she says, like, I'm not doing this out of excitement. I'm doing this out of faithfulness, out of, out of commitment. And she, one of her... Bible verses that she constantly quote is uh, Jesus' prayer in John 17 when he's, uh, he, 
he's about to be crucified and he prays for us and he entrusts himself to the Lord. And in June 17, he says, Father, I have completed the work that you gave me to do here. And I think that that's beautiful that I pray that that will be the reality for each one of us. That we can stand in front of the Lord and we will say, Father, I have finished. I have completed the assignment that I had. And know that only not only completed, but I did it well. And that that day that when we are facing Jesus face to face, he, we will not only receive the crown of our salvation, but we will be able to present all the fruits and all the things that we did. That we truly remain in the narrow path. And our lives were transformed and we were a blessing to others. And we led others to God. I don't know if some of you are familiar with um, Derek Prince. He is a preacher for, I don't know, the 70s, 50s, 60s. And I, I, I really love he, the depth of his knowledge, the depth that, that he, the way that he preaches. He's, he was. He was a, a true man of God. And I was listening to an interview of him, and they asked him, what is he afraid of? And he says that, and I'm like, that's interesting. I want to know what this powerful man of God is afraid of. And he says, I am afraid of success. And he was very successful during his ministry. And I was like, wow. And then he expanded on that. And he said, he's afraid of success because there are very few people who are successful and remain humble. And what is the secret of humility? We don't want to end with Solomon. He became so arrogant, prideful. We want to remain humble. But here is, I have, I have heard a lot of people praying for humility, but that's not what the Bible teaches about humility. The Bible says that for us to be humble, we need to humble ourselves in front of the Lord. And there's only one, two ways of humbling ourselves in front of the Lord, by fasting and praying. So I love that this series has been about prayer and how to repurpose the prayer in the, in, in, in the Bible. And I just want to tell you that if you feel that sin has been taking over your life, if you feel that you are not necessarily walking in the Lord's will, I, I want to tell you how much time are you spending in prayer? How much time are you spending in the Word of God? This is the only, this is the only way that our character will be changed. We cannot do it in our own strength. This is the way, guys. And I know that is a very simple message, but this is what it was lacking in his life. That's what Solomon didn't do. He neglected prayer and he neglected um, reading the Word of God. He needed to do it daily as a king. He needed to write it down and walk with that piece of paper everywhere he, that he wanted. And he needed to remind himself every day, these are the three temptations that I will face as a king. And you know, there's, there's something that, it doesn't matter how much you try, there's things that just, we don't have the, hum, the capacity to, to know everything that we need to know. Every morning, we don't know what we are going to face, what the day will bring, but the Lord does. And you know how many times you woke up in the morning, you open your Bible, you read something, and it seems that it didn't really do anything to you, but later on the day, something happened in your life, and, you, and, 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 the, and the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance that Bible verse, and you says, like, this is what the Lord was telling me today. He was preparing me for that. 
And I really felt, believe that Solomon starved himself spiritually. And, that, and that's the reason why he ended up becoming prideful. He ended up um, not having the strength to fight his sexual addiction. So I'm, I'm doing good with time. <laughs> so I think that the Lord is calling us all to have the humility and the courage to ask him, how are we doing with, in our walk with the Lord? If we are really walking in the narrow path or there's an aspect in our life that is not going too good. You know, this is a little embarrassing, but <laughs> as you mature in Christ, as I mentioned before, there will be times where the Lord will come and rebuke you. There will be times that he will bring discipline to you. And it doesn't feel too good all the time. You know, and I, <laughs> when I just met my husband, we were um, dating, and he said something to me that I didn't like it. I didn't take it too serious. I didn't know even if he was going to be my husband or no. I was attracted to him. I like him, but I didn't know where these things were going. And he told me that he didn't believe in a friendship between a man and a woman. Because eventually one of those two will, is going to lead into something else. One of them will end up falling in love with the other. And he, he just didn't think that, especially that um, a, a, a marriage couple should have best friends from the opposite sex outside their marriage. And I was like, okay, sure. Why? I, I, I think that it makes sense. But I didn't really, I thought that he was being a little insecure, <laughs> to be honest. And I thought to myself, it's okay for me to, and it was kind of strange because most, especially during my 20s, most of my best friends were male friends. So I didn't like to hear what he was saying. I'm like, is he too jealous? Is he too insecure? But the Lord was already talking to my heart. And then we got married. And then six months into our marriage, I had a dream. I woke up from a very disturbing dream. And in my dream, I was cheating on, I was cheating on Michael, and it was with a friend, a friend that, with someone that I knew. In my dream, I knew that I was cheating on, that I was married and I was cheating on, on my husband. And I was like, what was that about? I have never felt attracted to this person. I was never in a romantic relationship with this person. It was just something that I used to hang out with. And I woke up for the dream and I felt disturbed. I look at my good-looking husband laying next to me and I said to myself, I will never cheat on you. I will never do that. And then I didn't share that dream with anybody. I just kept, got up, take a shower, got ready for work. And, and then I was at work and I don't know, around 2, 3 p.m. suddenly my phone rings and I receive a text. And I was paralyzed because the same man that I was cheating on, the, on my dream was texting me. I have not talked to him in years. I have not seen him. And he says like, hey, a stranger, it has been a long time. We have not talked. How are you doing? And I just felt like a cold back of the water was over me. And I'm saying like, what are the chances that I had a dream that I'm cheating with this person and that he's texting me today? And I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? And he told me, you struggle with lust. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> and he said again, you struggle with lust, and I'm protecting your marriage. I'm giving you a warning. You need to be careful. Listen to the things that Michael told you even before you were married to him. And it breaks me because 
it's hard to recognize our sinful nature. I never, like last, I never sit in front of a computer and watch pornography. That's when I, th that's, that's the idea that I have with last. But I do one thing, I love Mexican telenovelas. <laughs> I, I love soap operas, the Mexican ones. And you know when Juan, Juan Fernando Rodriguez is in love with Margarita, I just, I just, I, I just love, I, I, you know. I, 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 and I can spend hours and hours watching that, and the Lord tells me, like, you're fantasizing in your head. You want to be that girl. You want to be Margarita, and you want Michael to love you the same way that he is loving you. But that's a fantasy, and you're lasting over that fantasy. And I'm like, you see, because it is really hard to recognize how ugly we are apart from Jesus. And I think that the Lord is inviting us, all of us, to just be vulnerable and allow him to show us the hidden sin in our lives. Because it was a hidden sin in me. I didn't know that I had that struggle. You know, I, 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 I want to look at me and said, I will never do that. And I think that when Solomon started his race, if people would have come and tell him, you are going to end your race in an awful way, he, he would have said, me? No way. I'm the wisest king on earth. There's no way that I'm going to do what you're telling me to do because we can very easily fool ourselves. In fact, not too long ago, we did a Bible study on the armor of God. And when you are talking about the armor of God, you need to talk about spiritual warfare. And we were talking about the different ways that the devil deceives us. And Patty Bauer said something that I, was thought, that I thought that it was so profound. And he said that for us, for mature believers, one of the deceptions that he can use is to make us believe that we cannot be deceived. To make us believe that there's no any more sin inside of us. And the word of God in the book of 1 John said that if we think that we, there's no sin in us, we are calling God a liar. <laughs> so... And I'm, I'm, I'm okay sharing with you my struggles with lust, and I can tell you about other warnings that the Lord has told me, but we are running out of time. But the reality is that I feel okay or relaxed to share with you my own shortcomings because I know that we, I am among sinners that we are going to make it to heaven by the grace of God. There's nothing in us that will take us to heaven. It's only his grace. But I also want to tell you that my hope and my desire for us as a body is to walk in purity, in holiness. The Lord is coming, and I believe he's coming soon, and he's coming for a pure bride. And my desire is that each one of us will finish the race with purity, with holiness, as the book of First John said at the beginning, when I shared one of my favorite verses, is that there will be two groups of believers, one that will be full in confidence and the other one will shrink back in shame. I didn't share the whole verse. The verse says, those who remain in fellowship with the Lord will be full of courage. Only by remaining in fellowship with him is that we are going to finish our race well. And I believe that the Lord wants us to take, he's calling us to invite him to take a look into our hearts and to ask him, how I'm doing, Lord? How I'm doing with my lust? With, how I'm doing with, the, I love gossiping. How I'm doing with the envy inside of me? Has, have I conquered this? 
how if in a way allow him to gray you and to show you if there has been any progress or not. And again, like I want to tell you that he's gentle, that he is not condemning. And I, for, some, for most of you, this my struggle with lust is something new that you learn. But I'm so glad to tell you that for a couple ladies that are sitting here today, it's not new because I have learned that confessing my sins to one another, it's very powerful. And the Lord doesn't want us to face and to struggle with our sin by, our, by ourselves. We need a community of mature believers who will help us to conquer those things. So I, th I truly think that that's the invitation. And three weeks ago, I think that the Lord guy Heidi with a beautiful song, and uh, uh, pure and holy. And he talks that those who are pure at heart, those blessed are those who are pure at heart because they will see the Lord. And I long to see Jesus, and I hope that you too. Sometimes living in the side of heaven is hard. And I long to be in his presence. I long to see him, to touch his face, to kiss his feet. But I also know that the Bible says, who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Only those who have clean hands and a pure heart. And that's my desire for all of you guys, that you have access to him, that you will have a pure heart and clean hands. And I just want to ask you to stay and worship with us one more song and really make this a prayer. This is a beautiful song. This is a beautiful song. And allow the Lord to do business in your heart and to show you if there's anything that he's trying to show you that he's not pleased with you. Again, I want to tell you he's not condemning. If this is, there's a window, there's an open window for reconciliation, for repentance, don't miss that opportunity like Solomon did. You have a beautiful legacy. The Lord, before we all, any of us was created, the Lord established good works for us to accomplish and he wants us to finish well. But allow him to work in your heart, in the ugliest parts of your heart. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Take me to the deep